we celebrate a wonderful event today. The dedication ritual for beloved children in our community. Formally acknowledging them as individuals, welcoming them into this community, and pledging ourselves, parents, grandparents, siblings, families, friends, teachers, classmates, members of the congregation, to be there for these children as they grow and to do what we can, whatever small part is ours to do, to create a world community that will acknowledge them and welcome them too. In service to that purpose, I thought it was worth taking a little time to look at the messages about children that surround us. Culturally speaking, we are conflicted about children, about childhood, about what it means to be a child. We recognize the values of the childlike, the innocence, the genuine curiosity, the ability to play, to be in the moment. All qualities which can too easily be lost as one grows into adulthood. The beginner's mind in Buddhism. Jesus saying, unless you become as little children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. These may point to the ways in which children more naturally engage in nurturing spiritual growth, which we affirm in our mission. Certainly our own Sophia Lyon Faz, who revolutionized Unitarian religious education for children, recognized these qualities in children and structured education around the idea that children can be teachers as well as students, teaching themselves and others as they are encouraged to engage that natural curiosity and to follow awe and wonder wherever it beckons. But childlike is one thing. Childish is another. One says, become as a child. The other just as clearly says, don't be a child. While we celebrate the qualities of childhood mentioned before, we recognize there are other natural tendencies. Impatience, self-absorption, anger that can be shaped and refined in the process of growing up. Adults who refuse to grow up, the Peter Pan syndrome, who refuse to take on the responsibilities that come with growing up, they are encouraged to discover the profound, if less immediate, joys of maturity. Now, I'm not saying these are irreconcilable messages. We are talking about different things here. I'm just raising up the ways in which we talk about children and childhood so that we can be aware of them and seek to clarify the messages we impart. For example, there are ways in which children are unintentionally, I believe, for the most part, they are treated as products. The barrage of parenting advice in books and on video and in lectures and in therapeutic settings and groups, it can be interpreted and often misinterpreted to suggest that parenting 
is a process by which we mold and shape and direct our children in such a way that they go on to live full and productive lives and that further their success or failure in that endeavor, however that happens to be interpreted in the familial or cultural environment of the time and place, that is a direct reflection on the parent's performance in the parenting process. One of the great tragedies of this kind of superficial and distorted view is that the inherent worth and dignity, the unique nature of the individual child is lost in the rush to success and perfection of this process by which we produce Religious historian Martin Marty speaking about his book, The Mystery of the Child, in an interview with Bill Moyers, said, somewhere, sorry, said, he was quoting someone else. He said, a great French philosopher, Gabriel Marcel, points out a difference between a problem and a mystery. The problem, says Marcel, is something that I could isolate. Problems, he says, have solutions or potential solutions. Mysteries don't. Mysteries have depth. Mysteries are unfathomable. And I just love watching our children, he said, watching grandchildren, watching great-grandchildren, watching babies, watching the unfolding of that package, which you could explain in scientific terms, but you never really capture what happens. Bill Moyers asks, so do you think of those, who, uh, those of us who deal with children, grandparents, parents, caregivers, do you think we would deal with them differently if we see them as a mystery instead of a problem? Marty replied, definitely. Marcel says, the problem stands outside me, something to fix. Mystery, I'm inside it. Mystery, I can't get distance on myself or it or that other person. We are sharing mystery. A problem or a mystery. A child is not a problem to be dealt with but a mystery that will unfold throughout their lives, revealing more and more, but not all. A mystery. And this is where we can bring our childlike curiosity, getting to know this person as best we can. <clears throat> there is another way we have of talking about children and youth that while meant to be positive, can also be vaguely unsettling. We say the children are the future, or even the children are our future. I've heard it said that children are our greatest resource. And it was part of a most worthy plea for funding for education and children's programs and a focus on children's well-being. I get that. I support that. I understand the sentiment but the vaguely unsettling part is the notion that children are resources for the rest of us. Because resources, we know, often are exploited. 
Children are not our future. Children are their own present, their own gift indeed to the world, but not for us. We can even see it play out sometimes in congregational contexts. Young families here may attest to this. We sometimes swarm young families in a subtle as we can make it eagerness that they join with us in our community. And most of that is genuine welcome. And some of it comes from the very real recognition that unless we attract young families, youth, children, our future as a congregation is uncertain. At its best, we have a real desire to transmit the passwords of this living tradition of meaning making. We have a real desire to do that, to transmit the passwords from this meaning making that we engage in from generation to generation. We don't want, want it just for ourselves. We want to project it into the future, to pass it along, to be faithful stewards. But at its least attractive, what we do can sometimes appear slightly vampiristic. Is that a word? <laughs> like a vampire. And although Unitarians and vampires share common roots in Transylvania, I would just assume we avoid the appearance of the latter. Because Unitarian Universalism, I believe, has something important to say through this ritual we observe today of child dedication. As I look at the families here, as I think about the families in the next service on this day, but any day, really, and I see the children who are to be dedicated, I imagine that the parents, whether they are literally holding the children or not, they are holding promise. And by that, I don't mean the, just mean the potential of each child, though that is part of it. I don't mean their potential value as a resource, but their inherent worth and dignity as a person, a living being on this planet we share. I could reimagine our first principle as saying we affirm and promote the promise that each person holds. And these children hold the promise not only of their own individual lives, but of the promises we all make in witnessing their lives. The promises that we are called to by recognizing the beauty of each individual child's existence in a mindful way. Holding promise is what we do here. Not in a utilitarian way, what can you do for me, but in a covenantal way, in a communal way. We are here to deepen connections and do our part to help create a world that is worthy of each new life that is welcomed. They do help us to recognize our highest aspirations and inspire us to bring our gifts of love and service to the altar of humanity. The one thing that you would most definitely not ever hear Unitarian religious educator Sophia Faz say is that Unitarian Universalism is not for children. I have heard that sometimes in Unitarian Universalist congregations. She would not subscribe to that. In fact, she might say that Unitarian Universalism is pointing us back to childhood in a sense. 
It has at its source the questions that we ask from our own experience, the raw wonder that we feel when we stand by the ocean or watch the lightning and feel the thunder in our chests or follow a scampering lizard in the blazing heat or read a poem that makes us cry or look into one another's eyes and see ourselves. That wonder that we sense before we name it, before we try to understand it. And then the beliefs that grow from those initial experiences. That is what makes for the diversity that we celebrate and for the opportunities to share and learn from one another. The experiences are common to us all and the interpretations of those experiences can only be expected to reflect the unique character of each individual, of each child. Unitarian minister William Ellery Channing said, the great end in religious instruction is not to stamp our minds upon the young, but to stir up their own. Not to make them see with our eyes, but to look inquiringly and steadily with their own. Liberal religious education in general and Unitarian Universalist religious education in particular, thanks in no small part to Sophia Faz, is based on the radical assumption that we don't have to work back toward mystery, but that we can begin at the beginning with our own experience and grow in our knowledge and understanding of the world and all of the various religious and philosophical and scientific viewpoints from there. We then have a context and a trust in our own experience that allows us not only to gather knowledge, but to create meaning, to learn the passwords that unlock that meaning, to transmit them across the generations. Sophia Faz saw that rather than just learning the history of religion, we actually all experience it in our lives and that sometimes children can be our best teachers. But that too often is stifled in religious education, the very place where it should be held in highest esteem. She wrote, Living forms cannot be passed on from generation to generation merely by attempts to preserve the fruits. Fruits to be preserved must be put in cold storage or dried or become fossilized. But it is only when the fruits are cut open and the living seeds are freed from the old matrix and then planted in new soil that living and continuing forms are made possible. May we hold the promise of this community the promise that calls us to deepen connection, the promise that is reflected in each child's eyes, the promise that beckons us to our truest selves and our highest ideals. May we hold that promise in reverence and practice it faithfully. <laughs>